Hello and welcome to the Investment Week podcast for October. This month we will be talking about ESG and impact investing. I'm your host Daniel Flynn and I'm the Senior Asset Management Correspondent for Investment Week. Investment Week has been the premier publication serving professional investors in the UK since 1995 and you can find out more about us by visiting www.investmentweek.co.uk. This month we will be speaking to Meg Brown from Impact's Asset Management to discuss what ESG and impact investing actually is, as well as Bryn Jones from Rathbones about his 552 million ethical bond fund. But first up we have Lewis Grant, Senior Portfolio Manager from Hermes Investment Management. Thank you for joining me in the studio, Lewis. So last September, the Environmental Protection Agency found that many of Volkswagen's cars were being sold in the US with a device that could detect when the diesel emissions were being tested and when they found out that they were being tested could change performance accordingly to improve results. When the accusation came out, Volkswagen admitted that around 11 million of their cars worldwide were fitted with this device, called a Spiffeet device, before launching an internal inquiry and recalling millions of the vehicles worldwide. The news resulted in the stock price of the German automaker collapsing by some 34%. Subsequently, the company's CEO resigned. The company set aside 6.7 billion euros to cover the costs and ended up posting its first quarterly loss for 15 years in late October, as well as casting widespread doubt over the integrity of the global auto industry. This month, we are discussing the lessons learned one year on from these events. So, Lewis, firstly, how has the asset management industry learned from this scandal? One of the trends we've seen over the last few years has been an increased focus on environmental, social and particular governance issues. Now, it's something at Hermes we've always paid a lot of attention to. We've always had a real focus on responsibility and we've always believed that integrating consideration of ESG, environmental, social and governance risks, into our stock selection can actually make a difference. I think that's been a growing trend over recent years, but I think Volkswagen, that incident, has become maybe the the catalyst for that to become much more widespread. And I think now even the mainstream investment world is suddenly realising that ESG matters. And this is not something that's nice to have. This is not about just making the world a better place. That goes hand in hand with maximising returns. And if you ignore, again, particularly governance issues, this can have a huge cost. And I think the Volkswagen is really the, the case that's going to teach many people that lesson. Okay, great. So as a fund manager, what sort of things are you looking for to avoid investing into stocks where this this could happen again? Um, Is it a case of working closely with the companies or um, just avoiding it from the start? It's a little bit of both, generally. We don't tend to favour divesting from risks necessarily. We look to see whether there's an opportunity to work with companies to help them to understand maybe where they have weaknesses on their environmental actions or maybe on the way they're treating society or whether their corporate governance structure can be improved. And if we realise that we can help to work with a company to bring about these positive changes, then that can help to unlock shareholder value. So that can actually increase our returns. So it's not about just avoiding these risks necessarily, it's about identifying the risks and finding out if a company's willing to improve. And that's a huge focus for us. I think a lot of people who talk about ESG are really looking at wind farms and and solar energy companies. And these can make great investments, but that's not what ESG means to us. ESG integration means looking at this full range of factors, integrating it into the stock selection and making sure when you value a company you do so aware of all the risks and you look for where those risks are reducing, where a company is willing to improve its governance for example, to lower its risk profile 
well, that company should be valued with a lower cost of capital, and then you get a higher valuation. Again, you can take it back to financial return, which is ultimately what this is all about. Okay, great. How willing are the companies to take on board the advice you give them? Do they understand the value of ESG? It varies. And I think where, where companies don't understand it, that's a huge red flag. For me, because we're looking for change as well as level in ESG, one of the things I'm really looking for is the mindset of a company. If a company realises that maybe it's not the best performer according to the ESG metrics, but it knows that and it is willing to improve, that willingness is a huge positive. If we find a company that's got a risk, even if the risk itself isn't too material, but if the company doesn't want to address it, that makes me wonder what else is there. Why does the company not realise that this might matter to its stakeholders? And so when a company's not willing to look at some of those potential risks, that's a huge red flag. So the, the willingness is a, a massive part of it to us. Increasingly, though, I think companies realise that shareholders do care about these issues. And of course, this can always be taken back to a company's brand. And companies such as Volkswagen, which are so dependent on having a positive brand, realise that they do need to protect that. It's a huge asset that they have. And if they do something to damage that brand, it has huge implications. So was the Volkswagen incident a bit of a trigger for this increasing willingness among companies to bear in mind ESG factors? I think it will be. I think it's still early days, but I think it is one very tangible example that people can point to and say, this matters. And of course, it's not the only example. We can take it back just a few years and you have Tesco's, Olympus, BP. I mean, these, these big scandals keep happening. But Volkswagen seems to be the one that everyone keeps talking about because it was so unexpected. Volkswagen touted themselves as one of the best car companies from an environmental perspective. There were organisations ranking them as one of the best governed companies out there, certainly within the automobile industry. There's not actually that many investors who realised there were weaknesses here. But now I think people use it as that that poster child for change. Mm -hmm. And that's fantastic. And so I think both companies and investors will look at this as a turning point. Perfect. Well, um, what is your view on the automotive sector following the scandal? I think there's still opportunities. I think one of the things we're aware of is that not all of the facts are known. It's hard to really get to the bottom of this case, and so you do need to acknowledge that you can't always have full transparency at companies. And so we're really looking across the whole portfolio to see is there anywhere else where this can come through. But there are still some great opportunities, and looking for companies which do have more transparent corporate governance than Volkswagen, looking for companies which have better independence on the board, maybe better diversity, better international experience. There's some opportunities there, but also looking for companies that are themselves aware of the challenges we face from climate change. So companies who are starting to think about electric vehicles. Again, that long-term thinking, seeing boards that are thinking long-term and sustainability-wise, that's where the opportunities lie. Perfect. So did the scandal change the way that um, Hermes approached ESG, or is it um, a case of more of the same? I'd describe what we're doing as, as more of the same, and we actually held Volkswagen up until August of 2015. So that's one month before the scandal broke, we actually divested our stake in Volkswagen. And one of the driving forces there was seeing that the corporate governance was lagging its peers. Now, I'd love to sit here and say that actually we saw this coming, and I won't do that. But it was because of corporate governance that we sold the shares. It wasn't that we predicted this incident as such, it's just we knew that the company was more likely to be exposed to weaknesses. So we continue to monitor companies, to work with companies, to engage with companies and act as active owners and really to continue that approach that we've been doing 
well, since I joined Hermes in 2007 and even earlier than that. Perfect. Um, we've talked a, a lot about how companies themselves are looking at their own ESG factors. Do you think it's an increasing concern now to investors themselves when they uh, look to put money into your funds? I think it is. I think we see very few investors who don't have a concern about how we're integrating ESG. And when I joined um, the Hermes Global Equity teams back in 2008, we, we were really just coming out of the financial crisis and a lot of asset owners were very conscious of risk and they were all saying, what's your risk profile? How do you integrate risk into your stock selection? And now I think we're seeing the same ESG. How do you integrate ESG into what you do? And so everyone's asking the question and it's something we've been working on since I joined in 2008 is to, to put numbers onto this, to actually be able to quantify ESG. And so we're actually able to demonstrate to investors how we assess companies, actually systematically assessing them, giving them a score, but we're also able to show that that score correlates to returns. We can actually demonstrate to investors that the way we think about governance actually helps us to avoid companies who are likely to underperform. And we can show that companies that we give the lowest governance score tend to underperform by 30 basis points per month on average, which is actually a meaningful amount. We can actually show that this matters. And so investors who are beginning to be concerned about this themselves then can come and see there's proof now that this matters. And once you see that, once you realise that ESG is not just a nice to have, it's actually an essential way of maximising returns, that makes a real difference to asset owners who previously have often said, I'd like to think about ESG, but how much will it cost? Well, we're able to say it doesn't cost you anything. In fact, quite the opposite. This is how you fulfil your fiduciary duty and this is how you maximise returns. That's great. Thank you very much for your insight, Lewis. No problem. Next up, our asset management correspondent Jane Arana speaks to Impact's Asset Management's Meg Brown about the meaning behind all the terms and acronyms investors often get lost in when it comes to ESG. Thanks Dan, and you're right. The integration of ESG considerations into the mainstream investment market have been around for years, but even today some investors aren't entirely sure what that means. I'm joined by Meg Brown who leads Impact's Asset Management's business development to help clear that up. Thank you for your time today Meg. So what do we really mean by ESG investing? So ESG in investing is when you look more broadly at the operations and behaviours of a company before you invest in it or during your investment period. You're looking not just at financial metrics, but also at corporate governance considerations, environmental pollution incidents um, and labour issues and relationships with the broader community. It gives you a more holistic understanding of a company before you invest in it and through the life cycle of your investment, which should lead to a better valuation um, understanding. And how does that compare with all the other acronyms that get thrown about? SRI, for example. Well, SRI investing, ethical investing, these terms have been around for quite a long time and they tend to apply to funds which are seeking to change the way um, savers apply their savings, um, apply their investments over time to either avoid or proactively include certain types of companies. So an ethical fund might screen out companies which uh, fund holder doesn't want to see included, typical sin stocks such as tobacco, alcohol or gambling. 
Um, an SRI fund might proactively seek to invest in companies which are delivering um, a positive product or service for broader society, healthcare, environmental solutions, um, job creation companies, etc. One of the hot topics at the moment is impact investing and measuring net carbon benefit. Can you talk us through these processes? Yeah, so impact investing is really becoming of interest to younger generation of savers who are keen to see their investments align with their um, personal values and want to see their money at work um, in a fund which is delivering not just financial return but also positive environmental or social benefit. Um, but most importantly, it can measure those. So as well as a financial return statement at the end of the year, an investor in an impact investment fund would see a quantification of their environmental or social benefit. Here at Impacts, we do have many funds which focus on environmental solutions. And in our small cap fund, we've been able to quantify the CO2 benefit from the products and services of our holding companies. So we've looked at all the emissions from the companies in the portfolio and we've netted that off with the CO2 saved by the insulation or the um, efficient lighting or the more efficient vehicle that, they, um, that they've invested in. That gives you a net saving of CO2 alongside um, a strong financial return. So would you say that impact is the new ethical? I hope it does better than ethical investing. Ethical investing hasn't caught on with the broad uh, market. I think impact investing um, is a very positive approach to investing and will appeal to many young savers, many endowments and institutional investors who want um, to see that their money is being aligned with a broader positive benefit to society, the economy and the environment. So hopefully it'll be better than ethical investing in terms of its take up by the, uh, by the general public. Great, well thank you Meg uh, for speaking with us today. I'm Jane Arana, back to the studio with Dan. Our final guest today is Bryn Jones, manager of the Rathbones Ethical Bond Fund. Thank you for joining me in the studio today, Bryn. Hi. So first of all, can you talk a little bit about the fund, such as its uh, investment philosophy and its approach for our listeners who may not be familiar with it? Yes, first of all, it's important to note this is an income fund, so it has a a reasonable income target. Uh, It has an income target of 5 to 7%. I'm currently paying just below that because of the nature of the markets. mean that yields are much lower and the way that we achieve that is through uh, a strict investment process so we, we're very much a macro driven uh, idea generation fund so we don't use benchmarks uh, so if we like something uh, outside of the benchmark we'll, we'll take a position in that do a lot of strong credit work um, we also look at valuation um, quite closely but also apply an ethical screen both a negative and positive screening and from that once we've put all those things in place out pops the you know the, the, the criteria and the selection asset selection so uh, it has a, uh, a strict um, process with uh, the view of income generation what sort of things do you screen for 
So we have a negative screening, and if it has a one negative, it can't go in. So these are things like environmental damage. These can be like miners, car production, alcohol, tobacco, pornography, uh, weapons. And that's that's not an, uh, the endless list, but that's an example of some of them. And if it has one of those, it can't go in the portfolio. Um, and then we, if, if it doesn't have any of those, we then have a positive screening process where we look for things that have strong social engagement, strong, strong environmental benefits, um, and then out, uh, that can then go into the portfolio after that. So there's a negative and a positive screening process. Perfect. So why do you think ESG is becoming more important for bond investors? Do you think people are starting to realise more the value that meeting these um, screening things can add to investments? Yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, it's become more popular over the last um, five to ten years. Um, and there's a number of reasons for that. One is that... Um, you've tended to find that companies that have very good governance um, don't fail. Um, so you know, you, there could, there's numerous examples where we've seen bad governance and only recently and, and stock prices and bond prices have fallen significantly. In the bond market, you have to remember there's an asymmetric return. So our upside pretty much is our yield and if we're really clever, something on top, but our downside is, is 100%. And therefore in a bond market, it's important to protect that, our investors from those potential downsides. So that's why... Uh, so sort of the ESG is now filtering not just through into strong ethical funds, but you perhaps might start seeing other funds out there looking at what's uh, governance and the importance for, for, for bond investing. Perfect. So what have you been doing to promote this, uh, the importance of these screens and the, the risk of the downside? And um, have you seen a good response from investors? I mean, since, for example, the Volkswagen scandal, have uh, has have you seen investors becoming more concerned with ESG factors? Yeah, I think it's a num- number of things, not just with Volkswagen, but you know, with BP, with Parmalat, with Worldcom. You know, throughout recent history, there's been a number of examples of companies that have failed because of very poor governance, um, and that I think just you know, leads more and more investors to start questioning their investment managers to say, well, you know, are you looking at these things? So, and where they're not, perhaps then we'll, we'll get investors coming out in, in our direction. But also what we've seen is not just purely those that are uh, strong ethical investors or those that have actually been uh, questioning perhaps some of the governments, but just mainstream investors that actually like to get generate income and also look at a way of doing positive return uh, to, to society or to the environment without giving up investment returns we're getting another wave of investors and I think it might be uh, a changing uh, a slight change in cultural behavior um, as as we you know investing becomes more mature and we get new investors coming into the market and you know, perhaps you call about the millennials start investing you know the way they're educated is perhaps slightly different about protecting environments and protecting society so um, we're seeing a new wave of investors coming into the into the fund as well so you think maybe investors' sense of what ESG means is perhaps changing? It's gone from just simply thinking about things like renewable energy to just good governance and other things that can add value. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing uh, investors seeing it not necessarily as a, a negative to performance. You know, that was the big query we had before as well. You know, we, we can have ethical, we can have good good companies but they're not going to give us the investment return i think us and other funds in the sector um there's five or six funds in the sector that are doing similar not the same things to us and they're all generating very good returns and so that really highlights that ethical and social and governance screening can actually add to performance not necessarily distract from it thank you very much bren thank you for your time that's all we have time for today We'd love to hear your comments and ideas for other podcasts if there is anything in particular you would like us to cover. You can contact me directly on daniel.flynn 
at incisivemedia.com. That's Flynn, spelled F-L-Y-N-N. Thank you for listening.